0: Well, I got a problem. I just can't figure it out. You see, it should be possible, but I've been trying for weeks and I just can't figure it out. Honestly, I've been trying for most of my adult life. My name's Ethan. I'm one of the ministers here. If you're a guest today, boy, I'm so glad you're here. You're in the right place. I hope you already know the Spirit of God is present, but I've got a problem that I can't figure out. I can't figure out how to tell the Easter story without talking about a cross, an instrument of torture, or a tomb, a symbol of death. I've been trying, for years I've been trying, just tell a simple Easter story. A story about bunnies and hunting for eggs and hope, lots and lots of hope. But every time I try to tell the Easter story, it ends up more complicated than that. I mean, the story always ends with the hope. But every time I tell the story along the way, we have to pass through a cross and talk about a tomb. We wish that wasn't the case, don't we? We wish that somebody could tell a story about Easter hope that was just bunnies and Easter eggs and a lot less about sacrifice and suffering and grief. I know that's what Mary and Martha wanted. Mary and Martha were friends of Jesus, as was their brother Lazarus. And Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. And so they sent a message to Jesus saying, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. See, they wanted a story that didn't include a cross or a tomb. They wanted Jesus to come quick and cure their brother So that their story would never have to include suffering and death and grief and pain. And I think that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants a story of hope with no chapter of grief. A story of the eternal with no chapter of death. A story of success with no chapter about failure. But here's my problem. I don't know any stories like that. It's certainly not the Easter story. Believe me, I've tried, but you just can't tell the Easter story without talking about the suffering of a cross and the grief of a tomb. Paul, this guy, wrote... whole bunch of the Bible. Tells the Easter story all over the place. Shortest version of the Easter story he ever tells is 1 Corinthians 15. Here's how he says it. I passed on to you what was most important and what had been passed on to me. Christ was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. Well, that sounds like a pretty short Easter story, right? He kept it pretty simple. Except I left out a little bit. Here's what he actually writes. I passed on to you what was most important and what had been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just like the scripture said. He was buried in a tomb and Christ was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. If you could tell a simple Easter story, just hope and bunnies and Easter egg, and never have to mention a cross, and never have to mention suffering, and never have to mention pain, and never have to mention death, it would show up somewhere in the Bible, but it never does. Instead, you get stories like this, Romans 8, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. For creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed, for the creation itself was subjected to frustration in the hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Now, that's an Easter story, a story of resurrection, a story of hope. But right there in the middle, it talks about bondage and decay and suffering and pain and waiting and loss. You can't tell an Easter story without talking about the cross and talking about the tomb, which creates... A curious consequence. Do you know what the middle of an Easter story sounds like? The Easter story, the most hopeful story that has ever been written in all of human history. The Easter story, the story of the resurrection of the Son of God. The story of an empty tomb. The story of death itself defeated forever. The story of eternal hope. Do you know what the story sounds like in the middle? If you were to stop the story halfway through, what would the Easter story sound like? Well, it would sound like a story of grief. It would sound like a story of despair. It would sound like a story of regret. It would sound like a story of loss. It'd be the story of a cross or the story of a tomb. A story of defeat, a story where the bad guy wins, a stories where dreams don't work out and hopes are unfulfilled. That's what the story would sound like if you stopped in the middle. In fact, it would sound a lot like the story that we're living in right this minute. Where evil men start wars of terror and dangerous fools get put in leadership throughout the world. And marriages fall apart because we struggle to love like we promised we would. And parents and children grow apart despite their best efforts. And friendships fade. And love is lost. And the beloved dies. And dreams are unfulfilled. And hope is an illusion. And maybe... Just maybe, if you could just for a second, consider the possibility that maybe if our present story sounds exactly like the middle of an Easter story, maybe that's what it is. I want you to consider that possibility that the reason your present story sounds like the middle of an Easter story is because you're in one. See, the Easter story is hard to tell because you want to talk about hope. It's supposed to be a story of hope and resurrection and life, but you can't tell that story unless you talk about a cross and suffering and a tomb and grief. But I'm telling you, I think that's good news because we live in a hard world. And a hard world, a world of crosses and tombs, a world of suffering and regret, a hard world requires a big hope, or there is no hope. I mean, that's just the truth of it, folks. If there isn't a big hope for this world, then there is no hope for this world. Little hopes are just not enough for a world as hard as the one we live in. I worry when I meet people and I see them chasing little hope. And I get it. Yeah, there's a little bit of hope in being rich. And there's a little bit of hope in coming from a good family. And there's a little bit of hope in being a hard worker who's smart and quick on your feet. And there's a, there's a little bit of hope in living in a country where you're relatively safe. Yeah, there's a little bit of hope all those places. But we don't live in an easy world where a little bit of hope is enough. We live in a hard world. And either there's big hope or there's no hope. So why waste your time putting your hope in little hope? Because it's not big enough hope. The Easter hope, that's big hope. The Easter hope is big hope for a hard world. And the fact that you can't tell the Easter story without talking about a cross and a tomb makes it clear that the Easter hope is big enough to defeat death and big enough to conquer sin and big enough to overcome the grave. In fact, the Easter hope is so big that it claims it can make the worst parts of our story into an Easter story. I was at a funeral recently right here in this room, and it was one of these funerals where the whole room was filled with hope and joy. I I think laughter outnumbered tears in that room. I was so inspired by that moment that I sat down this week with Gene Wigington. He, uh, he did the funeral. He does a lot of funerals for us here at the church. I just wanted to ask him a few questions about funerals and Easter. Uh, take a listen to some of our conversation.
1: Well, you know, Easter, our Jesus' resurrection, actually changes everything, uh, especially funerals. Now, when I think of a funeral, I think of celebrating a life that has been lived to honor and glorify God. And I think about celebrating the fact that uh, we have the hope, the confident hope of life beyond the grave. And so you could say basically that uh, it's true because he lives, we too shall live. Yeah. Amen. And, and that means that the
0: church has a, has a role at funerals. You do a lot of funerals on behalf of the church. What do you see as the role of the church in a time of grief like that?
1: You know, a funeral or a celebration of life is a great opportunity for the church. An opportunity to celebrate the life of one of its own, a person who's shared the journey of faith, where we've worshiped together, prayed together, uh, communed together. And uh, to just celebrate the fact that they now have life forever in the presence of God. And then it's an opportunity for the church to embrace the family and to turn their attention toward God so that it's reaffirmed to them that their loved one has experienced and is experiencing life beyond the grave. And so, you know, it's true because he lives, we too shall live. Yeah, yeah. And of course... You don't just do
0: funerals on behalf of the church. You've also, in recent months, uh, faced, along with your family, grief yourself. And I'm just curious, how has the Easter hope changed the way you and your family have faced this time
1: of grief? Well, you know, first of all, we thanked God because he gives us the, the privilege of grief. Yeah. And so we feel comfortable shedding our tears and having our feelings of loneliness. And yet, because of the resurrection, uh, we know that our loved one is experiencing eternal life in the presence of God. And actually, our Shirley sort of preached her own Easter sermon, because frequently she said, because of Jesus, if I live, I have the best of everything. And because of Jesus, if I die, I have the best of everything. And so, there again, because he lives, we too shall live. Friends, I hope that every one of you
0: can face life and death with the confidence of Shirley Wigginton. Because of Jesus. If I live, I have the best of everything because of Jesus. If I die, I have the best of everything. That's what happens when you face a hard world with big hope. And that's exactly what God's word teaches. Paul writes, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And if the Easter hope is big enough to bring hope to a funeral, then it is a big enough hope for whatever you are suffering, whatever struggle you face today. Because, see, God doesn't just raise people from the dead. God saves families that have been splintered by betrayal and apathy and pain. God saves people who need purpose in a world of struggle and confusion. God saves addicts who need freedom and a second chance. See, I am so glad that I never figured out how to tell the Easter story without talking about a cross. Or a tomb, because that means every one of you that is looking at a cross of suffering today, or looking at a tomb of grief today, or every one of you who ever finds yourself in that situation can look at the pain of this world in the eyes and say to yourself, I might just be in an Easter story. That is your reality today. Whatever suffering or pain or struggle you face, you stare it in the eyes, you remember the story of Easter, and you say to yourself, maybe you say out loud, I might just be in the middle of an Easter story. Now, sure enough, if you've put your hope in some little hope, some insufficient hope for the hard world we face, well, then you're in the middle of a tragedy. I mean, right. Yeah, because how else do you, what other ending do you have planned for the story other than a tomb? Like that's where it, the story ends. But if you put your hope in God, then the tomb is never the end of the story. It's just the middle. And the struggle you're in now is never the end of the story, it's just the middle. And the loss you experience now is never the end of the story, it's just the middle. And the sin that you commit today is never the end of the story, it's just the middle. And when you figure out that it's the middle, it dawns on you, oh my goodness, I'm in an Easter story. You know how you can tell you're in an Easter story? because you feel dead, but you trust God. That's how you know you're smack in the middle of an Easter story. Paul goes on in Romans 8 to explain to people what an Easter story feels like. He says, verse 28, we know that in all things, and trust me, he's talking about bad things here, In all these bad things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those God has chosen? Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness? What should should our reaction be when this is what our story sounds like? Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness? Paul says your reaction should be, I think I'm in an Easter story. You know, I can tell I'm in an Easter story because it looks like death, but I'm trusting God. That's how you can tell. As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We look like sheep to be slaughtered, but in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. No matter what your story is today, your story can be an Easter story. Because you can't tell the Easter story without a cross and a tomb, without suffering and loss, without pain and regret. And you've already brought all that to the table. You've written half the Easter story. But you also can't tell the Easter story without an empty tomb and a finished cross and a risen Lord and breakfast on a beach and a weeping woman who starts to laugh, and doubting disciples who start to trust. And I'm just telling you, that hope, that can be your hope. See, that's what Mary and Martha found out. Boy, they didn't get the story they wanted at all. And some of you were like, yeah, that's me. That's why I'm here. I'm actually here today to explain to God that I didn't get the story that I wanted, and neither did Mary and Martha. The story they had planned out was that Jesus would hustle, he'd get there fast, heal their brother, and they'd never have to bury him. Not only was Jesus too late to save Lazarus' life, he didn't even make it to the funeral. Boy, some of you know that, right? Not only did God not intervene, God didn't even show up while you wept. And then Jesus shows up. Lazarus is already buried. He didn't even make it for the funeral. And Martha comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, if you'd have been here, I would have gotten the story I wanted. If you'd have been here. But see, Martha knows how to write an Easter story. This is how you write an Easter story. You look death in the face, and you trust in God. She said, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Martha said, oh, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said, no, I'm the resurrection. The resurrection just showed up. I'm the life. The life just arrived. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and trusts in me will never die. Mary, Martha, can you trust in this? And then he walked over to the tomb. And he called Lazarus out of the grave. And Lazarus walked out, wrapped for burial. See, Jesus didn't write the story Martha wanted. He wrote a better story. That's what's so amazing about my God. And some of you have a testimony, and I've got a testimony. I have never written a better story than the one God wrote with my life. Oh, I've tried. I've tried to write some pretty decent stories, and then the story I wrote didn't happen, and I've had the same conversation. I wanted a story with no cross and no tomb. Who could possibly want to write a story with a cross and a tomb? But it turns out it's the only way you can write an Easter story, and that's the kind of story God likes to write. And I absolutely believe that that's the story God wants to write in your life. And I know you are already bringing to God the first half of the story, right? You're bringing to God a story with bumps and bruises and regrets and sorrow, wounds you've received and wounds you've forgiven and damage you've done that you can never take back. And maybe you wonder, what kind of story am I living in? And I just want to give you this simple truth. When you look around and you see crosses and tombs, and then you put your hope in God, you are living in an Easter story. So I don't know what you brought today, but I I, I sort of feel like the only thing I have to say to you is happy Easter. I mean, happy Easter. Because I think you're living in an Easter story. And in fact, if you would just trust God with your whole life, I think you're definitely living in an Easter story. And maybe you're in a desperate place and you don't see the way out. That's actually what the middle of an Easter story sounds like, or or maybe you're facing an illness and and you're being confronted with your mortality and you don't see a solution. I'm just telling you, that's actually what the middle of an Easter story sounds like, or maybe you drift away from God and you haven't been in church in 10 years and, and you're coming back and you're not sure if there's still hope for a life of meaning and value and purpose. That is exactly what the middle of an Easter story sounds like. And maybe it's not today, but the day will come, okay? You live in this hard world long enough, a day of suffering will come, a day of crosses and tombs will come, a day of sin and regret and pain and loss will come, and you're gonna look around and wonder, what kind of story am I in? And in that moment, you put your hope in God Almighty, and you'll know. You're in the middle of an Easter story. Absolutely, every, everybody I know, every person God ever made, every, every beloved child of God, God gives the ability to write half an Easter story. Like, that's it. God says you have the power, the skill, and the wisdom to write half an Easter story. You'll write the part, and it'll be your own creative composition, but it'll end the same place the first half of every Easter story ends. It'll end with a cross of suffering, with a tomb of grief, with the pain of regret, and you'll have written the first half of the Easter story. The only problem is nobody but God can write the second half of an Easter story. And some of you need to do something with that today. Some of you need to make a promise to God today and just say, I'm going to be back here every single week. I want to turn my story into an Easter story. Okay, you do it. Check out that bulletin. Somebody needs to go to Stank at a Starbucks coming up on the 25th, and, and you somebody say, oh, we're so glad you're here. Why are you here? And you just need to say, I'm here because I want the rest of my life to be an Easter story. I wrote the first half. It's not as good as you'd think. I want the second half of an Easter story. Some of you are going to come to men's breakfast, and you're going to meet somebody and eat some breakfast, and you say, hey, good to have you here. Why are you here? And you're going to say, I want my life to be an Easter story. Maybe you're going to bring your family and do kids camp. Why are you here? Why are you getting engaged? I want my life to be an Easter story. Somebody needs to say to God today, God, I am going to trust you to work resurrection in my family, because I want my family's story to be an Easter story. God, I am going to trust you that there is hope on the other side of this grief I feel stuck in because I want to claim that if I trust you while I stare at the tomb, I'm in the middle of an Easter story. Maybe you could pray with me this prayer. This is from Psalm 30. It's a prayer of David. Maybe you could just pray this prayer. Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, Be my helper. That's a great way to make sure your story is an Easter story. Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. Here's what I believe about our God. I believe that our God desperately desires to turn every person's story into an Easter story. A story with a cross that is finished, and a tomb that is empty, and a Lord that is risen, and breakfast on the beach, and life that never ends, and hope that is confident. And the only thing it takes to make sure your story is an Easter story is to put your trust in Jesus Christ. Because that's the only kind of story he writes. And I know maybe you're saying, Ethan, that's crazy big hope. That almost that hope sounds too big to believe. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. It does. But a little hope won't do you any good. So maybe you should ask God, dare God, to write an Easter story with your life. The band's going to come out here in a second. We're going to sing and we're going to worship God. And if you need today to trust God with the rest of your story, so that God will be the reliable God will make sure that your story is an Easter story. I'm going to be right down here. We'll have some friends here to pray with you. You come down here. Let us pray for you. Put your trust in Christ. That same psalm we just read, Psalm 30. Hear, O Lord, be merciful. That psalm ends like this. You have turned for me. My mourning into dancing you have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent O lord my god i will give thanks to you forever that is what an easter story sounds like and I just hope you know the secret that'll let you understand the world with clarity. Every time for the rest of your life you look around and see the suffering of a cross or the despair of a tomb and then you put your hope in God, you will know you're in the middle of an Easter story. Let me pray for you. Oh gracious God, God, I want my life to be an Easter story. And if you could write a story with no cross and no tomb, I'd take it. But you you haven't written one of those yet. And so I want the Easter story, God. I want the resurrection story. I want the redemption story. I want the healing story. I want it for my life. And I want it for everyone here. And so right now, God, we do just worship you and give you praise, for you have turned our mourning into dancing. You have made a promise that you will write an ending to a a story that we could never expect or predict, except for it happened to Jesus. He rose from the dead, and so we worship you now and give you praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I invite you to stand. We're going to worship. If you need to put your trust in Jesus today, you come meet me while we sing. May all of us worship a God who makes every story an Easter story. Let's sing our praises together.